Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, please. Revelation, chapter 3, as Pastor Rick mentioned several times, our mission conference starts this coming Sunday morning. We have three new missionaries come to present their ministry to us. We have a mission organization come and present that. It's called Five Loaves, Two Fishes. It's an outreach to homeless people. And also, as he said, on the 17th, that night, uh, we're going to have the presentation of the Blast Club that we have in two public schools. And we're inviting all the parents of the kids to come that night, and we're going to encourage you to pray about that, have a good turnout, and we hopefully we can reach many of the parents for Christ. And so we're looking forward to that very much so. Um, before we get into our script tonight, I'd like you to take a, uh, to grade yourself, uh, grade your spiritual uh, how spiritual you are tonight. And I'm not going to put it in the bulletin. I'm not going to have you stand up and announce it. We just want you to give a grade of how you feel you are spiritually. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being cold, uh, could care less about the things of God, and 10 being hot, sold out, your heart beats for God, righteousness, holiness, and souls. For example, on number one, maybe think of Demas, who uh, forsook the ministry because he having loved this present world. He would consider a cold. And ten, think of the Apostle Paul, a man whose heart just beat for God, righteousness, holiness, and longed to win people to Christ, and just sold his life out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so on a scale of one to ten, I want you to give yourself a grade. Maybe you can do it, maybe you can write it on a piece of paper, or today's take a mental note, note on where you would be on, again, cold, number one, being cold, uh, care less about the things of God, and then 10, your heart just, uh, just on fire for God. Give yourself a number there. Somewhere. Again, I'm not going to ask you to tell everybody, between you and the Lord, and uh, see how you, you uh, will come back to that in a few moments. By the way, it's so good to see Brother Clark back. We missed you, brother, and we did pray for you. I'm glad you're doing so much better. All right, Revelation chapter 3, please. We'll come back to that. You keep that number in mind where you're at on that scale of 1 to 10, and we'll come back to that later on tonight. And tonight is our last study on the churches of Revelation, the seven churches, the last one in the church of Laodicea. And, of course, during the month of March, we will not focus on um, Revelation at all. We're going to have... On Sundays, we're going to have new missionaries. On Wednesday nights, we have videos of our existing missionaries. I contacted several missionaries that are out on the field overseas. I said, would you put together a video and give us an update of your ministry? So on Wednesday nights, we have videos of our existing missionaries. On Sundays, we'll have actual new missionaries come present their work to us. And it's my desire that we be able to take them all on and be able to support them as part of our missions outreach at First Baptist Church. But anyway, so we will not get back to Revelation until the month of April. Because <laughs> all the month of March, every service can be focused on missions, which I'm thrilled about. Listen to me, please. If anything we do as a church that gets God's attention to what it is, missions. Missions is God's heartbeat. God wants people to be saved. And so next month, I believe God's going to be paying close attention about what First Baptist Church does and to reach the loss for Christ. All right, back to Revelation chapter 3, begin verse 14. I'm going to read this, and we'll come back to it verse by verse 
and look at the last letter that Christ wrote. And this is to the church of Laodicea. In verse 14, please, Revelation 3, verse 14. And it says, Unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my in my throne, even as I have overcome, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So if you would, take out your notes tonight, please. Let's look at this letter here that Christ wrote to the church of Laodicea. First of all, I'll give you a little background about Laodicea. Laodicea was located on the road to Colossae, about 40 miles southeast of Philadelphia. It was the, the wealthiest, most important commercial center of, in the region. Laodicea was primarily known for three major industries, banking, wool, and medicine, specifically, notably, eye salve, medicine for the eye. So this was a very wealthy people, had a lot to do uh, physically and financially, materially, a very well-known, uh, very uh, commercial city. But notice, number one, look at the description, how Christ described himself. He gave himself three descriptions. He says in verse 14, he says, that these things saith, the first description he gave himself, he says, the amen. The amen. It sounds like a Baptist, doesn't it? The amen. And again, he says, unto the angel of the church. Now, who's the angel of the church? Hopefully, you know by now, the pastor. Angel is the messenger, so he's written to the pastor of the church later see him. These things say, first of all, the amen. Here the Lord gives himself the title, the amen. Amen speaks of certainty, finality, and ultimate authority. And what he affirms is true, and what he promises is certain. You know, many times in, uh, during the services when somebody preaches, somebody maybe plays well on some music, or uh, sings, we hear people say, Amen. And basically, it says, and so it be. And I think back in the 60s, they would say, right on. <laughs> but it's talking about Amen. So here the Lord Jesus Christ refers to himself as the Amen. Again, it talks about certainty, finality, and ultimate authority. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. The second term he gave to describe himself, not only the Amen, let it be, the faithful and true witness. 
the Lord describes himself as the faithful and true witness. How many believe the Lord's faithful? He is. And so he describes himself as faithful and true. Remember, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He said in John 14, 6. He is a completely trustworthy and perfectly accurate witness to the truth of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is completely trustworthy and perfectly accurate witness to the truth of God. These two qualities every Christian should have. By the way, can that be said of you? Are you faithful? Are you true? If you are, you're like the Lord Jesus, how he describes himself. You know, I remember when I was felt called to the ministry. And, and when I was in Bible college, I saw so many other men there that had tremendous talents. Uh, um, vo vocally, they could sing well. I heard them preach. They could preach well. They had all kind of physical talents. And then many times, as I should not have done, I would compare myself to them. And so I, I don't have the talents ability that man has. I can't do what he does. I don't have the personality that like he does. And I definitely don't look good as he does. And therefore, many times I get discouraged thinking, I, I, uh, how, how can God use me? But the one thing God requires, God does not require us to be good looking. He doesn't require us to be intelligent. He doesn't require us to be talented. You know what he requires us to be? Faithful. I said, I can do that. <laughs> More of us require so it's man be found faithful. That's what God requires. So you may not have what the world has. But my friend, if you're faithful, you like the Lord Jesus. Because he is faithful and he is true. That's the, uh, the second description. The third description Christ gave himself. Letter C. He referred to himself as the beginning of the creation of God. The beginning of the creation of God. The word beginning there means the origin, the act of cause, or the originating source of creation. When he refers to himself as the beginning of the creation of God, it means he's the origin, the act of cause, the originating source of creation. In fact, the Bible says of the Godhood, the Trinity, he is the creator. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. It tells us very clearly here that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. Colossians chapter 1, give you a moment to find that. Colossians chapter 1, please. Notice what it says there. In verse 16, Colossians 1, 16, again, talking about Jesus Christ being the, uh, the origin, the active cause, or the originating source of creation. In Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him, the him is the Lord Jesus. Notice what it says here. Where how many things created? All things. All creation can find its source in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and what? For him, when it talks about visible and invisible, thrones, dominion, and power, talking about the angelic world. He realized all the angels, Jesus Christ created. By the way, Jesus Christ created Lucifer. 
Lucifer was a creation of Jesus Christ. It said thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. He created all things. In verse 17, and he is before all things. He's eternal. Before there was anything created, Jesus Christ was there. And by him all things, what? God said, I mean, held together. You know, interesting, the Lord Jesus Christ holds all matter together. If he just take his hand off, man, it would just disappear. And maybe that's the way the world one day will be dissolved. If you would please look also, this is not in your notes, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Again, I'm talking about Lord Jesus Christ being the source, the origin of all creation. We saw that Colossians, but John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 here, please. John 1, verse 1. And notice the first three words of John 1 are the first three words in Genesis 1. You know that? It says in John 1, 1, it says, in the what? Beginning. By the way, have you ever seen what is called a chronological Bible? The chronological Bible basically takes the scripture and puts it in chronological order as far as the time-wise. And guess what's the first verse in the chronological Bible? John 1, 1. And Genesis 1, 1 is verse 2. And notice it says, in the beginning, the beginning of all time, all creation, was the Word. Jesus Christ is preexistence. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, and the same was the beginning with God. Verse 3, what's the first two words? All things were made by him. Who's the him? The Lord Jesus, the word, the living word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Wow. So all creation can find its source in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what that term means. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Go back now to uh, Revelation, please. So when we saw his description, he referred to himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and also the beginning of the creation of God. Now, let's look at the commendation. The commendation. And this, I find, quite sad. There was nothing in this church the Lord could speak positive about. Nothing he could commend them. Now, remember the church part of this Philadelphia there was nothing he can find negative about them. Nothing to rebuke them over. But the church Laodicea, there was nothing which he could say, good job, boy. No commendation. How about you? If the Lord were talking to you, would he have things he could praise and talk well about you? Or he looked at your life and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can commend you for. So the commendation, although outwardly this church must appear strong and prosperous, the Lord found nothing to commend. That's sad, isn't it? This is a body of believers in a town called Laodicea, and the Lord could say nothing good about them. That's sad. Number three, now let's look at the rebuke. We saw the commendation. There was none. Number three, the rebuke. Look at verse 15, please. He says, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my what? Mouth. Now, 
Look at me, please. Remember when I asked you to give yourself a grade spiritually? On the scale of 1 to 10, remember 1 being could care less about things of God. I gave example Demas. Demas was once a, a follower of the Apostle Paul, servant Lord of Paul. He's mentioned three times in Scripture. And the last thing he's mentioned, he said, Demas having forsaken the ministry. Why? Because he loved this present world. There's a cold Christian. But over here we got the Apostle Paul. I mean, uh, sold out for God, wrote most of the New Testament, and uh, on fire for God. So where'd you put yourself? On a scale of 1 to 10, where'd you put yourself? Don't answer out loud. Uh, I have found, if a person is, if many people are honest, I've found when I've done this before, many people put themselves maybe around 4, 5, 6, maybe 7. <laughs> so, in other words, compared to Paul, I don't know about you, I, I'm not like, I, I don't think I'm as spiritual as Paul is. But I'm not like Demas either. So, again, where'd you put yourself? If he, if he said, Pastor, I gave myself a four, five, six, you know, that is lukewarm. And notice Paul, Christ said, I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot than lukewarm. Now, why is that? You know, lukewarm has some warmth to it. Why would he say, I would, wor I would worth it you whether cold or hot because you're lukewarm? Now, think about this. Why is lukewarm so, so bad? So, uh, so over here you have a 1. Over here you have a 10. In the middle you have what? 5. So number 5, you can say, here's the worst. 5 is the best of the worst. But it's the worst of the best. <laughs> you ever thought about that? It's the best of the worst <laughs> and the worst of the best. And yet so many people today uh, fall right in the lukewarm. I can remember when I was a boy, I was in fourth grade. And uh, once a week, my mother would give me some money to be able to buy some drinks out of, the, uh, out of a machine, a drink machine that was uh, out, out in the hallway. I went to... Bell Air Elementary in Clearwater, Florida. And so I was over there. And so I wanted, uh, my, my mother gave me some cookies for lunch. And so they had a milk machine out there that I just uh, got in the past. And always the milk was so cold. I love good cold milk with a good cookie, don't you? So when I, then I bought a little carton of milk and I brought it in. Everybody sat down and have a little dessert and goodies. So I opened the carton up. I didn't realize the machine had been off for a couple of days. And, and uh, of course, it, it, the, the milk wasn't cold, it wasn't hot, it was lukewarm. And when I was wanting a good cold milk, I took a big swig of it and, oh, <laughs> I almost threw up because it was, what a disappointment it was. And of course, I didn't drink the rest of it. But notice here, uh, there, the rebuke here, let it read right down there. The first rebuke is gross indifference. Gross indifference. And notice the three spiritual states mentioned here, and you know them already. Number one, you got cold. Number two, you have lukewarm. And number three, you have hot. Cold, lukewarm, and hot. And he said... I, thou art, it said, thou art neither cold nor hot. And the result, notice the result here. This is quite amazing. 
It says there, in the latter part of verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What does that mean? Now, if you look up the word spew, it means to nauseate. I remember when I was a teenager, we used it, upchuck, <laughs> vomit, barf. <laughs> but listen to me, please. Our lukewarmness makes God sick. That's what he's saying. And uh, it's a gross indifference of things. They're not cold or hot, just kind of lukewarm. It not, our, our spiritual lukewarmness nauseates God. And so, uh, so wherever you put yourself in that scale of 1 to 10, if you put yourself in lukewarmness, and maybe you don't see yourself in a, that much, in very bad, look how the Lord looks upon that. And so the rebuke, gross indifference, you're indifferent to things. And let it be, the second rebuke is spiritual poverty and self-deception. Spiritual poverty and self-deception. He says, verse 17, because, because goes back to the latter part of the nauseating God. I was speaking in my mouth. It said, verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and need of what? Nothing. But it goes on to say, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. So notice there's two views here. First of all, number one, there's self-view. That's how they viewed themselves. How did these believers of Laodicea, notice this is a body of believers, the church. How did they view themselves? They viewed themselves spiritually. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. That's their self-view. They associated their spiritual condition with their physical condition. Because remember, they were very wealthy, very well-to-do, Materially and uh, monetarily, they had everything they needed. And so they associated their spiritual condition with a physical condition. And many times, believers do that today. They think, well, I've got everything I need. I've got a nice home. I've got a nice car. I've got to make good money. And they associate, look, God's taking care of me. I must be doing something right. I've got everything I need. And no doubt, that's the way they saw themselves. I don't need a thing. I need of nothing. That was a self-view. But notice God's view of them. The latter part of verse 17. And it says, And knowest not that, that thou art wretched, this to my spiritually speaking, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and what? Naked. That's God's view. So let me ask you, how do you view yourself spiritually? And how would God view you? The greatest problem here in the, their condition, he told them there, uh, he said, and no, it's not. They did not know. The they were unaware, <coughs> excuse me, and oblivious to the spiritual condition. He said, you don't even know how you are. And no, it's not that thou art wretched, miserable, fine. So the greatest problem they did not know, they were unaware and oblivious to their spiritual condition. 
That's a sign of lukewarmness. A person that's cold, he, he knows he's not right with God. He knows he's not where he should be. A person that's hot knows I'm, I'm you know, I, he knows his condition. But the lukewarm person doesn't realize his condition. He doesn't know how bad his condition is in the sight of God. And so that's the, uh, the rebuke. Number four. Now look at the exhortation. Verse 18 and verse 19. Notice letter A, Christ's counsel. Here's the counsel that Christ gave to this church. He said, verse 18, he said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in a fire that thou mayest be rich and right raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thy eye, eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Notice he says gold, white raiment, and eye salve. Christ, notice that Christ was offering them the spiritual counterparts of their major industry. Remember what the major industries were? Was banking, was wool, and medicine. That's physical. So he offers them the spiritual counterparts. He says that you may buy me gold. So first of all, number one, to gain true riches from Christ. His counsel was to gain true riches. Now, they had physical riches. They were very wealthy. They had that most rich area in the people, a town in the area. But he says, the counsel to, to gain true riches from Christ. I counsel thee to buy of me of gold, tried in fire, that thou mayest be truly rich. The word gold speaks of spiritual riches. They lack that. Number two, to obtain acceptable clothing. Remember, how did he see them? He saw them poor, blind, and naked. So obtaining several clothing, he said, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear. White raiment representing true righteousness. Dry, in other words, gain from me true spiritual riches, gain from me true righteousness, which they lacked. And number three, not only to gain true riches from Christ, to obtain acceptable clothing. Number three, to acquire spiritual medicine for their eyes. To acquire spiritual medicine for their eyes. And latter part of verse 18, to anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest what? See. Remember, they saw themselves differently than the way the Lord saw them. Oh, that we might ask, Lord, help us see ourselves as he sees us. Remember, they saw themselves that they, they, because thou sayest, I'm rich and creased with goods, need of nothing. That's how they saw themselves. But he saw them just the opposite. And the word I said speaks of spiritual enlightenment for the, from the Holy Spirit. Spiritual enlightenment. Holy Spirit, help me to see myself as God sees me. Oh, that we might pray that. Maybe we go home tonight and say, Lord, I, I look at myself as pretty good. And I may be pretty good. I don't know. But Lord, how do you look at me? From your perspective, how am I spiritually? And Ephesians 1.18 says uh, to the church of Ephesus, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The Holy Spirit opened their eyes to see themselves as God sees them. Would you do that tonight? 
maybe before you go, maybe sometimes that resolution, ask the Lord to help you see yourself as he sees you. Now, you may be fine. I, I, I don't know. You may be just where the Lord wants you. If you are, just praise the Lord. But if he opens your eyes and see yourself about uh, contrary to where you see yourself, maybe we need to do letter B. The next exhortation. Repent. <laughs> and I wrote this down. Get on fire for the Lord. <laughs> Repent and get on fire for the Lord. He says, as many as I love. Notice that we know what's wonderful about this. Even in their lukewarm condition that nauseated God, God said, I still love you. I'm grateful for that. God loves us even in the midst of our lukewarmness. Our condition that nauseates him. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and what? Chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice these are really, these are believers. I mean, I read a commentary. The person in the commentary that wrote that said these were unbelievers. No, they weren't. God doesn't chasten unbelievers. Chastening is the hand of a loving father and a disobedient child. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He says, be zealous. In other words, get on fire and repent. Change your mind about how you see yourself and ask God to help you see yourself from his perspective. Number five. Number five, the promise. The promise. We have two of them here. The first promise is fellowship. The promise of fellowship. How many enjoy sweet fellowship with your Savior? I enjoy that so much. In verse 20, he says, Behold, again, he's talking about this body of believers later, saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Let me read any further. This verse is typically referred to as salvation. It is not a salvation verse. He's not talking to a group of unbelievers. He's talking to a church of Laodicea. And the picture is here that the Lord Jesus is outside the church, the building which they gather together to worship. And he's out there knocking. He's wanting to come in. <laughs> he's left outside. In all of their worship for the Lord, he's on the outside. Behold, I stand at the door, not the door of the heart, but the door of the church. And he said, if any man, any man in that church will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, in the church and to him, and will sup with him. The word sup is the abbreviation for supper. Uh, let me ask you a question. As a good Baptist, where do we ha find our sweetest fellowship? Around food. <laughs> exactly. And nothing's changed. He's talking about fellowship here. So here he's talking to these believers who are lukewarm. And go ahead and write down the rest, please, here. Number one, the only cure for lukewarmness is the readmission of the excluded Christ. The only cure for lukewarmness is the readmission, inviting him back into the church of the excluded Christ. Number two, they were so busy doing the work of the Lord, they forgot the Lord of the work. Have you ever done that before? Well, I have. Remember, he said, I know their works. They have plenty of works. And so they were very busy, but they were so busy doing the work of the Lord, they forgot the Lord of the work. How about you? Is that... Describe you tonight. See, Pastor, I'm here at the time the door is open. 
I've been faithful. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I appreciate it. And I know the Lord pleases him. But it's so easy to get so busy doing the things of God, you forget the God of, of those things you're doing. In other words, Pastor, I don't have time to read my Bible. I'm too busy serving the Lord. <laughs> I don't have time to pray anymore because I'm busy doing things for God. And, and that's, I believe, where they were. And let it be the second promise, not only fellowship, but reward. Reward. In verse 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father in his room. And notice the, the figurative expression meaning the believers will share the privilege and the authority that Christ enjoys as they reign with him in his kingdom. That's what he's talking about. The figurative expression meaning that believers will share the privilege and authority that Christ enjoys as they reign with him. Listen carefully, please. Laodicea is the worst of the seven churches. And yet, it has the greatest promise of all of them. Think about that. The worst of the seven churches, and yet the greatest of all the promises are made to them, showing that the worst of God's people, hallelujah, may repent, be restored, and obtain even the highest state of glory and reign with him in his glory. How many can say amen to that? Again, God's people, the worst of God's people, that's what they were, may repent, be restored, and obtain even the highest state of glory. They will reign with him in his kingdom. Two quick verses and we'll close. Revelation 5.10. He said, Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall what? Reign on the earth. Come out, reign with him in his kingdom. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Let's close with this. It is 8 o'clock. <laughs> My friend, did God speak to you tonight about something? How, how did you do in that grading yourself spiritually? Do you, find, do you find that you grade yourself in an area that God is pleased with? But how many can say, Pastor, uh, uh, I, I, can, I believe I could do a little bit better spiritually. With the Lord's help, Pastor, I did not find myself as a 9 or 10, but I want to be that. I want to be what God would have me to be. Uh, by the raised hand, how many say, Pastor, I'd like to be more spiritual? I think we all would, wouldn't we? And so I did that publicly because I want you to see you're not alone. <laughs> but let, let's bow together, please, in prayer. As the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and that scale of 1 to 10, where did you put yourself? Did you put yourself in that position where you thought, well, at least I'm not cold, but I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Did you find yourself as being lukewarm? If so, did you see how the Lord looks upon that? He said, my child, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot than lukewarm, but because you are lukewarm, that nauseates God. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Doesn't mean he's going to disown you. Doesn't mean he's going to kick you out. It means it nauseates him. 
if that's the case, why not right now before we conclude this service, ask God to forgive you for your indifference, for your lukewarmness. Ask him to light a fire in your heart to the things of God. Ask him to light a fire in your, your being toward him, to know him more intimately, to know his word more deeply, and have a sweet fellowship with the Savior. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are and how you long to have fellowship with us. And Father, we get so indifferent to the things of God. Many times we just so self-satisfied where we're at that we just miss out on that sweet fellowship with you. Father, forgive us. Cleanse us. May the Spirit of God light a fire in our hearts toward you toward the things of God and the things that you desire of us. Help us to be more like you in all that we say and do and think. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.